Amen. Amen. That's good. He spoke to me. I knew it'd never be the same. Isn't that something? Take your Bible, turn over to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. <clears throat> you see that group up there? There were times we had church, there was just that many or less. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's hard to remember what it used to be like. <clears throat> you know, people often say, well, <clears throat> the good old days. <clears throat> I don't know, I like preaching behind this pulpit better than I did that little teeny thing in there in the senior center. I like preaching to more people than less. And someone says, ah, you got a big ego, huh? Well, no, if I'm going to preach, I might as well spend the time preparing and preaching to more than fewer. I mean, what are you talking about, man? I mean, I'm, if I'm going to spend the same amount of time preparing, I might as well reach more people, influence more people. And uh, nothing wrong with that. But there were some fond memories back there in those days in that Lake Senior Center. Starting that whole thing off, <clears throat> this verse right here was one of our main verses, and of course it continues to be, at least in my mind, and this one in another passage. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That was a verse that basically moved me and motivated me uh, in the ministry. That was basically it. We talked about what's your church verses. Well, this was the one, and the other was found in Psalm chapter 40, verse 3, when the, David said, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And here it is. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Amen. And those were the two verses that basically Community Baptist Temple was built upon. Those two verses. Primarily chapter 33, verse 3 of Jeremiah. And uh, <clears throat> as I said, it uh, didn't start, you know, really, uh, you know, the way some might imagine. I mean, we had our first service, and I think there were 31 or something people there. And, of course, they were all family, friends. And I had found one family already. I'd been door knocking. I found a family that of six. They had, you know, so six people, boom, right there, you know, showed up the first Sunday, you know. And that was good, you know. And uh, it's funny how you remember the names of those people all the way back there, but I can't remember my own kids' names. <clears throat> but uh, <clears throat> they came and uh, started attending the church that first Sunday, and, and there was another handful of people, uh, just a couple small little group, actually. My mom and dad, really, they came the first Sunday and told me they were going to stick around and stay. And I was kind of like, really, you're going to stay? And they said, yeah, we're going to stay. And I said, well, okay. That's what the Lord wants, and uh, said, we already told the pastor we're leaving, we're going to start with you, and blah, 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 and I thought, well, if, he, if, if, if there's any reason not to be mad, it'd be at a parent who was going to go help their son build a church, you know what I mean? But he was still mad. No, but anyway, <clears throat> but uh, it, it wasn't, uh, it, it, it wasn't all, we started, uh, now listen, I didn't come, okay, let me be careful, I Things are a little different than they are at our church in some churches, okay? When I started Community Baptist Temple, I didn't, I, didn't have, I didn't plan on having Sunday night services. We started a Sunday morning service. That was it. For two years, we didn't have a Wednesday night service. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night. Uh, we didn't take an offering up for the first five years. We just set a basket in the back and said, if you want to give, give. 
I mean, that we did things a little different, okay, in those days. And again, some of that was just ignorance, okay? It really was. Um, I mean, by the second week, we had a Sunday night service, but it was in homes, and I was teaching discipleship, okay? And so it, it was a little different, you know, than like some. Like the church that we intend to plant here will be a much different kind of focus than maybe that was. I mean, it'll be the same doctrine, same direction, but we'll, we'll plan on having that Bible study all right on Sunday night. It'll already be in place. Um, I don't know where Wednesday nights will be at that point. We'll see where that goes, but for sure, we're, we're already planning on Sunday morning, Sunday nights. We want to get things moving. We get things happening. Uh, I don't want to just start with just a little Bible study and grow into a church. I want to have a church. You know, let's move it into a church. Let's make this happen, okay? Uh, things were just a little bit different in those days. But Jeremiah 33.3 is what it really kicked it all off. Call unto me and I will answer thee and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know, I wish I could tell you how God has blessed in both my life and the ministry here these last years. I wish I could do that. And there's no way I can possibly do that. I, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> tonight you're going to go home, okay? And you're going to flip a light switch on. And light's going to come on in your living room or your kitchen or wherever you walk into. You know what? You have, pretty, you have a pretty good sense that it's going to happen. You, got, you have pretty, pretty much faith that when you flip that switch, the lights are going to come on tonight. That's how much faith I had that God would answer prayer in my life. I mean that. See, I watched God do miracles in my family in my life. And then when God caught around to asking me, and tell, well, telling me really, that he wanted me to begin a, a, a fundamental, local, Bible-believing church, let me tell you something, a Baptist church, by the way, I, I thought to myself, he's been faithful to me, he's answered my prayers, he can certainly answer the prayers of the ministry and the needs of the ministry. See, I didn't have to muster up some kind of faith to make that happen. I already knew God could do it because he's already done it in my life. He'd already done it in my marriage. He'd already done it in my family, my home. I watched God supernaturally provide. I've told this story a number of times, but things had gotten pretty tight financially after being in the ministry for just even the first year. And at that point, by the first year, after nine months, I went part-time with the church. And I started receiving $500 a month from the church, and I worked three days a week at what was called Kaufman's Warehouse at the time. I wasn't making a lot, but I made about $5.50 an hour. And so I worked 24 hours a week there, and I worked $500 a month for the church. And, you know, God just continued to meet our needs. Now, again, that was after that amount of time. But let me, take, let me go back. I'm going to do it Brother Moon now. <clears throat> Brother Moon did this to me three, four times in our conversation on the phone the other day. <clears throat> uh, oh, let me go back. When Community Baptist Temple started, I had a job, and I'd gotten a job working uh, glazing, doing glass work. I didn't do that for but two weeks, so don't think I can help you. <clears throat> but nonetheless, so I had that job for a couple weeks, and I was full-time. And then the gentleman come to me, and he said, listen, I can't keep employing you. We're kind of slowed down. I'm really sorry. I, I, don't have a, I just don't have any work for you. And I said, oh, okay, you know, that's, that's fine. You can't help that, you know. And uh, I prayed about it, and the Lord said, don't work. And so I just went out door knocking every day. And so 
I prayed and I prayed and God kept saying, don't work, I'll take care of you. Don't work, I'll take care of you. Two months went by, I hadn't worked a lick. And so finally God says to me one day, go get a job. And I thought, okay, I can do that. And so my brother had been working at a place, Kaufman's Warehouse, and he said, man, I got this job. He said, I think they're hiring. I said, oh, I'll run down there and ask him. I walked in the office, had a seat, and I told him, hey, listen, I'm starting a New Testament. I'm starting a Baptist church. And I said, so listen, I, I need a job, but I'm going to be honest with you right up front. This is not my life. I promise you that right now. My first priority is the ministry. There'll be times I may have to take off and leave. I got to do what I got to do. I don't care about the money. I got to work to make a living. But honestly, that is not my priority. God takes care of me and my family. But if you'll give me a job, I promise you while I'm here, I will be the best employee you've got. Amen. And they, they turned around and he said, honestly, he said, that's not usually what I like to hear. But I'm going to give you a shot. I don't know why, but I feel like I ought to give you a shot. And I worked there for about uh, a year and a half. And uh, the Lord blessed. I mean, really, met needs. And I didn't get big raises or anything, but I worked there, you know. And, and uh, they liked me there. And they met, worked with me there. And I was able to get out of work if I had to go. And I'd say, hey, I got to go make a hospital. God, can I come in a little late tomorrow? Yeah, no problem. I got to go a little early. Can I? Yeah, go ahead. They worked with me on that. And so the Lord blessed that way. And I felt like Joseph, you know. And God just showed favor there. But... <clears throat> We'd had some rough times financially as we moved forward, and again, we were making that 500 a month, and I was making that 550 an hour, working 24 hours a week, and God just kept meeting needs. But I recall one week in particular, and I have it in my notes, and it's on the 13th of July, 1995, just a little over a year after we'd started Community Baptist. It says, last week, I, what, last week was a great week of financial blessing. God gave us $220 cash by the end of Sunday. It kind of floods back to you. We received an envelope with $100, $20 from someone else, and another 100 from a woman who, gave, uh, who, who God had likewise blessed and wanted to share that. She said she was sleeping and had a dream. In her dream, she saw a young man on his knees praying for money. She said the man reminded her of me. And when she woke up, God had impressed her on her heart the need to give to us. I put, praise God. <laughs> I'd been praying for two weeks for God to give us some money. And once again, God was so good, and he did. And I put Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Again, it was upon these verses that the ministry of Community Baptist Temple was founded. See, <clears throat> prayer was something that was an essential, it was necessary. And can I tell you, it really hasn't changed. It's still essential, <clears throat> still necessary. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that receiveth, or everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. I don't believe that there's anybody that's ever going to make it in ministry that doesn't have a prayer life. 
I mean, I, I just believe it's, it's, it's absolutely necessary. If God's not doing miracles in your life before you get in the ministry, he will not do them after. This idea that you can be a missionary and do nothing to win souls while you are in the States and then go over overseas and think you're going to just tear it up, winning souls and building churches for God, my friend, you are out of your mind. It doesn't work that way. If God doesn't bless you where you are, he will not bless you where you're going. And you better be prepared. You need to understand that if God's not working in your life where you are at, then don't think he will work where you're going. Because if you haven't figured out the recipe for the hand of God in your life, don't think it'll just happen one day. It is not by chance that you have a relationship with Lord, the Lord and have God's power in your life. That doesn't happen by chance. You don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden you're a super Christian. You don't just wake up one day and say, wow, I can stay in my Bible finally. Wow, I don't mind praying anymore. Wow, I love giving. Wow, I love serving. If those things aren't already happening, they probably aren't going to continue to happen. George Mueller, well... Actually, Martin Luther, the figurehead of the Protestant movement, he made this statement. He said, none can believe how powerful prayer is and what, he, what is, it is able to affect but those who have learned it by experience. It is a great matter when an extreme need to take hold on prayer. I know whenever I have prayed earnestly that I have been amply heard and have obtained more than I prayed for. God indeed sometimes delayed, but at last came. George Mueller, the great man of God that he was and powerful man of prayer, he once said, it is not enough to begin to pray nor to pray aright, nor is it enough to continue for a time to pray, but we must patiently, believingly continue in prayer until we obtain an answer. And further, we have not only to continue in prayer unto the end, but we have also to believe that God does hear us and will answer our prayers. Then he says, most frequently we fail in not continuing in prayer until the blessing is obtained and in not expecting the blessing. James 4, 2 says, ye lust and ye have not, ye kill and desire to have, and ye cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Why? You know, because ye ask not. And what he's saying here, Mueller's saying is, it's not enough to ask once, it's not enough to ask twice. It's not enough to ask for a week or a month or a year. You have to be willing to ask until God brings it to pass. And you have to believe that God's going to bring it to pass or he'll change your prayer. I mean, I honestly had experienced prayer in my life early on. I can still remember years ago and I can see it in my mind's eye, standing outside of our home there in Ellet. And my mom, she was deathly afraid of storms. And I still remember hearing preachers talk about prayer, and I thought, you know what? I want God to answer my prayers. I want God to do something for me. I want a closeness with God like none other. 
And as a 14-year-old boy, I remember standing on my doorstep down there below there, and I looked up in the sky and saw a storm coming, and the wind was picking up, and I said, Oh, God, I want you to hold back the storm. My mother is definitely afraid of storms. I don't want her to be afraid. And, of course, the forecast said it was happening. It was going to be horrible. And I said, Lord, hold back the storm. And someone says, well, what happened? Well, he held back the storm. And I know someone says, well, that's just because it didn't come your way. That was a coincidence. You call it what you want. Let me believe what I want. But I'll tell you what, it made me understand and know that God heard me and answered. I was humbled and felt that tiny. But I'll tell you this much, I couldn't believe it. God answered prayers. I was a young youth director, and I still remember going to, the, the, going to Mexico with a group of people. Man, the rain was a pouring and it was going crazy. And in those days, they had the movie, Burning Hell. Some of you may remember the Burning Hell. Man, they were rolling that thing on a little eight, well, not eight track either. It was like eight millimeter film stuff. It was spinning around and you could hear it going, tick, 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 as it's, it's playing up there on the screen. Man, we were under this tin roof, and, and it was just outside, and it was a tin roof, and the rain got to coming so hard, and the wind was a-blowing, and man, you couldn't hear a thing, and the preacher was up there preaching and going crazy, and I'm thinking, man, no one's going to hear the gospel, no one's going to get saved. I said, oh God, stop the rain. Stop it now. And the rain stopped. And you say, oh, that's just coincidence. Maybe it was, I don't know. But what I do know is, in the heart of a young youth director, I was convinced God heard my prayer. Now, I don't tell you all those things because that makes me so great. I'm telling you right now, God wants to answer all our prayers. I'm not telling you that because I want you to think I'm somebody or that you couldn't do that because, well, you can't start a church because God never stopped this or God never did that or God never answered. I'm telling you, you have not because you asked not. But I believed and saw God do miracles. He said, start a church. I heard that as plain as day. I knew that as sure as I knew my calling. And when I heard that voice, and it was that voice inside, that still small voice, but it was like thunder. I felt so honored. And you know, I didn't respond the way I thought I would. I thought I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. Man, when I heard that voice, all of a sudden I got scared. I started thinking, are you kidding? You sure there ain't somebody else, maybe? I mean, thinking about it, I thought it'd be pretty cool, Lord, but now that you're saying it, I don't know. But in 1 Timothy 1.12, the Apostle Paul said, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I took that verse and I said, Well, Lord, if you'll count me faithful, then I'll go in. Oh, I was humbled beyond words, that's for sure, but I was also intimidated by the daunting task that lay before me. But I knew the power of prayer. I've experienced it in my life. I wonder, 
there's a need in your life. Can you flip a switch tonight and get to the throne room of God and know without a doubt it will reach him? Isn't that really what we need? I mean, we live in a world of changing times. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so we better have God's ear right now today. We may need him in the next few moments. We serve a God who's big enough to get the job done, even using us. Isn't that good? See, success in the ministry is not because of us, it's in spite of us. And the moment we start thinking it's because of us, well, it's going to be a rough road to hoe, or it's going to end bad in the long run. We're the ones that ought to be privileged to serve. See, we ought to feel privileged. We're not doing God a favor. He's doing us a favor. The opportunity to serve in a ministry, the opportunity to, in our case, begin a church or to move forward with a ministry, man, that was all our privilege. It's an honor to serve the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, it says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. It's unbelievable when we do what we do. We need to always remember we didn't do it for the pastor. We didn't do it for the youth director. We didn't do it for a staff member. We did it for him. What we do, we do for Christ. And sometimes we lose sight of that. And when somebody doesn't pat us on the back, somebody doesn't acknowledge us or recognize us the way we should be, we get upset because we think, I did all this for you and you didn't even notice. Don't go in the ministry as a pastor then. Because there's going to be times that you're not going to be recognized. I'm very blessed and my wife and I and my family are more than blessed here at Community Baptist Temple because of a church that is very sensitive to our need and very caring to us. I have no regrets in that regard, no issues at all. However, you do not serve the Lord and others without some setbacks. If you are looking to people to validate you in the ministry, you will sooner or later burn out and quit. It's for the Lord that we do what we do, right? And that's true whether you're pastoring or whether you're teaching Sunday school, running a bus or singing in the choir or doing specials or working in the nursery. We do it unto the Lord. Again, God answered prayer early on in the ministry and he's done so throughout and he continues to to this day. On 11 11, 20, 95, it's November the 20th, it was a Monday I drove to the senior center this evening, I put, and spent a short time in prayer. I felt compelled to go there and did. I asked God to grow the church to overflowing, not as a result of anything I do but Him. I have, as of tonight, given up trying to build a work for God and have completely turned the job over to Him. 
I'm confident that God will build his church. I cannot explain my confidence except by saying, quote, I believe my prayer is in his will and he has given me peace and surety of its fulfillment, unquote. I will do my best as never before, but will never be able to say I have done it. God has chosen to use Community Baptist Temple to reach this community for his glory. May I and those that follow be faithful to that end. I want you to know that God answered that prayer many times over. We grew out of the downstairs of the senior center. Again, as I said, when we started, it was just a simple basement. It was just a, a, an old converted garage. I walked into it the first time thinking, well, I'll go through the motions. Sherry said, you might as well at least look at it. And I'd already looked at a number of other places, and I said, well, okay, I guess I'll go. It was the first place I called, by the way. And when I walked in the door, I knew right then, this is it. Without a doubt, I knew this is it. The lady there, Jean, she showed me the room. She said, here it is. And I said, yeah. I said, is there anything else to it? She said, well, I guess you could use this around here. And, and, and there was a, like a... There was like an eight-foot opening or seven-foot opening. And so you could see the opening here when you walked in the door. So I walk in the door, and there's this opening over here. Walk right through. There's the rest of the garage. You walk in, there's a pool table in there. And then there's a door that led to the storage room. So she said, well, I guess you could, I guess you could do I guess something with that little room back there with that pool table in it. I said, well, Okay. So we got ourselves a big old piece of cloth. I went to Mogador and got a big old piece of cloth and we took it and we, we put it up in front of that door and we put our children back there on top of the pool table and under the pool table. There was no door so you could hear everything that was going on. Every burp, every cry, everything else. But we knew this is where God wants us. It was $50 a week. And that's what my tithe was. So I knew we could make it. We'd never need one person to come to church to keep the doors open at Community Baptist Temple. Isn't that amazing how God works? See, most pastors fret over the money all the time, but we knew God can meet our needs. And so we knew, well, we can make this happen. It'll be all right. And he did. And immediately we started saving money, and it took us five years to save $30,000. Five years, can you imagine? $30,000. Five years. This week alone, we'll have a $30,000 offering if you give 10 times more. And so we started meeting in that little room, and man, I mean, God was blessing. We had a table set up front, and my, my brother Jeff, he, he didn't even go to church at the time, and he built me a pulpit, and me set it on top of that table, and man, I got behind that table, and that first day we were taking pictures and all that, you know, my Bible in the air, you know, Billy Sunday style. And that started it off. Until it was just a matter of months. We started growing a little bit. We didn't grow a lot those first few years. I think by the end of three years, we were still right around the mid-40s. 
We had already had to get out of that basement, though. It was a little bit cramped now. We'd already started moving upstairs, and they were allowing us to use that. So we're paying more now and costing more, and we were paying a lot more, too, by the way. But it was worth it because we needed the space. It was great. All of a sudden, God got a hold of my heart about soul winning. I wasn't really a soul winner yet. I mean, I visited a lot. I knocked on a ton of doors, let me tell you. I knocked on doors all the time. I worked full-time, and I went out knocking doors three to four nights a week plus Saturdays. So I knocked a ton of doors. I knocked on over 1,000 doors back in 1994 before the first person got saved because I didn't understand soul winning, really. I knew you're supposed to win people to Christ. I heard that my whole life, but I didn't know how to do it really. I knew the gospel, but I didn't see souls getting saved at doors, and I didn't see people getting saved all the time. What I saw was people talk about soul winning, but I never really seen it done. Maybe you were in a church like that at one point. Visitation's different than soul winning. Totally different. So I remember begging the Lord, and he worked in my life, and he used the Sword of the Lord Conference, really, in my life to help me with that, hearing preachers, great men of God, preach about how souls are being saved. Man, I'll tell you, I had a burden to win souls. And after an all-night prayer meeting one night, it only lasted till about 3 in the morning before he told me to go to bed, I went through the entire book of Matthew, I marked every time God went and everything he said and what he did. And as I did that, I prayed. And then I read and I prayed and I read and I prayed and I read and I prayed and I read. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit till you make me a soul winner. And sure enough, three in the morning, he said, go to bed. I said, but Lord, I'm not going to quit till you make me a soul winner. I don't want to be in the ministry anymore if we're just going to go through the motions. He said, go to bed, Mark. So I did what he said. It was that next week. By the next week, I'd won three people to Christ. All of a sudden, things changed at Community Baptist Temple. I mean, it, it just... Within two years, we were seeing 80-some people getting saved a year now. I led over 50-some people to Christ that following year myself. I'm not talking about in the church. I'm talking about outside the church. God began to do some things in my life and the lives of those around me, and it changed our ministry. Within three years, we were running well over 100 now. By the time we left the senior center, we were at 175 after six years. Remember I told you at year three we were at 45. God blew our church up because of soul winning. God did a miracle. I wonder how many of you have been with us over 20 years? How many of you have been here at the church 20 or more years? Stand up. 20 or more years, stand up. 20 or more years. Look at this. 20 or more years. Okay? You've seen a few things, haven't you? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
How many of you have been here at least 15 or more? Or be under 20, I should say, under 20 years. Uh, under, under 20 to 15, that's what I'm saying, 15 to 20 years. 15 to 20 years. Look at it. Okay, look at how long people have been here. Look at that. Okay, how about 10 to 15 years? Go ahead and be seated. How about 10 to 15? Brother Bob, way to go. Good. Look at it, all over the place. How about, okay, let's talk 5 to 10 years now. 5 to 10 years. You've been here 5 to 10 years now. Yeah, good group, good group, very good group, yeah. Yeah, very good. Okay, you may be seated. How about in the last, how about... Three to five years. Three to five years you've been here. Look, there we go. We've got a few stand up. There we go. And how about just in the last three years? Last three years. Stand up, please. Good. Last three years. Okay, good. You may be seated. It just, throughout our history, God's blessed us. We've seen God do miracles. Down in that basement, we moved upstairs. The upstairs got kind of tight. We found ourselves renting, having buses. Even we, we ended up getting a bus while we were there, and so we had Sunday school in the buses. Before it was over with, we were using every single available classroom and space, even the director's office for a classroom at the Lake Senior Center. Every single room in the Senior Center. They finally told us it was a hazard because we were putting people in the, the uh, storage room. They said, you can't put them there. So they started letting us park our bus on the property. They let us put up tents outside. We had Sunday schools outside in tents. Brother Fred got so mad one week, he threw his Bible in the middle of the field. How many remember that when he got that ticked at those kids? Those fifth and sixth grade boys drove him nuts. He was teaching Sunday school to those fifth and sixth graders, and they got on his nerve. He's like, you guys make me sick! And his Bible took off like a Frisbee. Oh, Brother Fred. Oh, man. I got to tell you another story about Brother Fred. This is just too good. We're out street preaching, right? Downtown Akron. I mean, there's probably 35 of us down there preaching. 40 people. Whole busload, packed. People on all sides of the roads, walking down Main Street, down there in downtown Akron. We're down there about middle of the way, you know. Me and Fred, we're walking from one end down here by the Firestone, all the way down going toward the bus stop at, at, at the, the Cascade Plaza. We're working, make, making our way down there. And all of a sudden, Brother Fred just stops and starts going, For God so loved the world! And all of a sudden, this guy in this car, he looks over and goes, wham, smashes a guy right in front of him. I, just, I mean, he looked over, and man, he was so mad. I said, Fred, we got to go. <laughs> he was so mad. He got so startled when Fred just busted out in the, mess, in the message, man. I mean, just out of nowhere, he started going off. I was like, what, what is going on? And next thing I know, I look at this guy, and I mean, I saw, him, I saw him literally turn his head and looking and staring and went, wham. I mean, I couldn't believe it. He just plowed that guy in front of him. Wow, we got out of there. But God blessed us there, and we got to where it was so crowded, we couldn't, we could, you know, we were just having problems, you know, we were running, like I said, between 150, 175 in that place, it was tough, and 
God opened up another door. He answered a supernatural prayer. We begged God for a building. And God gave us a building on Canton Road. Some of you remember that, don't you? That was a big day in our life. That was one of the biggest days ever. And in April of 2000, we moved into that building, and God blessed us, and there were some sweet people there. There was a small group of people that had been faithful and stuck to the stuff, and we didn't ask them to join our church. They just became members by proxy. And there we were, running about 200. Within a year and a half, we were running over three. And God was blessing our church. God was doing miracles, and people were getting saved, and lives were being transformed and changed. We needed more space. <clears throat> what are you going to do? Well, the bedrooms today below us, they wanted to <clears throat> expand their buildings at that point. They were right below us. They tried to zone some property behind them. They bought a house and property, but the, the Lakemore would not zone it commercial. So he got stuck with a hundred and three or hundred and five thousand dollar property at the time, and he couldn't do anything with it. So he comes to me and he says, "Hey, if you'll give me a fifty by one hundred and seventy five piece of ground right beside, because it's already zoned commercial, if you, I'll trade you that piece of property, fifty by one seventy five, for the house and three lots." And I said, "Even trade?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "What are you going to do?" He said, "I'm going to extend my building over onto that property." I said, "There's a lot of, a lot of dirt there." You're going to build your building. You're going to lower your building. You're going to put it right down the ground. Yeah. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll sell you the building under one condition, that you give us all the dirt out of that property and take it to our Pawnee property. We had bought a Pawnee property, four acres, to put a bus garage on. If you'll give us all the dirt, we'll sell you the property. We'll make the swap. Like, that was a deal anyway, right? He said, well, I can't pay all the money to truck it all over. If you'll just pay $5,000, I'll have it all trucked over there, and we'll call it even. So, okay. 275 loads of dirt later. A bulldozer and a friend of the Harris family was sitting on a bulldozer and kept going over there for periodically and pushing dirt, and that's why the property looks the way it does. Man, I'm telling you what, God blessed us and met our needs. So now we have a building where we put our offices and some even had our Spanish ministry in the basement of that house. We had uh, extra space now in the building that we were, live, we were in. Again, God blessing. But you know what? Time continued to go on and people kept coming. And before it was over with, we needed more space. So we bought another house on that piece of property. We got it in a, uh, a, a basically a, um, a sheriff's sale, not a sheriff's sale, but a, um, a, a foreclosure. We paid $37,000 for that house. It had sold for $96,000 before that. I said, sounds crazy, but Lakemore's not cheap to live in. We were checking that house out. And we, we couldn't get in. We'd called the people and asked if we could go look at the house before we bought it. Because I told them we were going to buy it. But I said, I would like to at least look at it. And they said, well, okay. So myself and the staff, we all went over there. Even the secretary at the time. And we couldn't get in. So we got a window open. <laughs> and so one of the staff climbed in the window and came around and finally got the door open. The door would stick. Stick at the bottom, so he kind of had to kick the door open. 
So we got in there, we looked around, we're like, man, this is a steal of a deal for 37000 This is great. This will be perfect. We'll knock these walls out. We'll do this. We'll do that. Blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, we were joking and saying, you know, wouldn't that be something one of the neighbors called the police on us? <laughs> I mean, here we are in our ties, you know, and dresses, and the girls were in dresses. Josh was too. But anyway, uh, so here we were, you know, and, and we're, we're, you know, we're thinking, and we're joking. I'm standing at the window going, wouldn't that be something? Because we, we had some issues with a few neighbors here and there. They didn't like how things were going sometimes. And I said, wouldn't that be something if a neighbor called the police on us? And next thing I know, there's, I, did I see the police come up? Oh, you weren't there. Oh, that's right. You were wearing your dress. That's right. <laughs> Did you see the video of him wearing his dress? But anyway, remember that one, that Ron and John? But anyhow, some of you remember that. I still remember, I, 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 got, a, I, you know, I got a knock at the door. I go out there, and I couldn't get out the door, and, I, and the door was sticking, and I'm trying to open the door, and I'm, you know, finally I'm like, wham, I kick the bottom of it, and it flies open, and there's guns drawn on me. Police, yeah, they drew their guns on me. They were standing with their guns right in my face. And I'm like, whoa, 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 fellas. Ladies, because there was a lady there. I said, whoa, we're not here stealing. We got permission to be in the house. We just couldn't get in. A neighbor called and said, you broke in. I said, well, we are in ties and suits. It's kind of an unusual attire for a thief. But we were given permission, and the door happened to be locked, and they told us we could get in and look. And they said, oh, okay. They were nice enough to leave us there. But, wow, that was an interesting thing. So we bought that building and that house. But you know what? People kept driving through our parking lot, had nowhere to park. So before it was all said and done, we bought this property. And here we are today. Let me tell you something. The prayer didn't stop over at the other property. I guarantee you this took some prayer. Many of you were praying. God has blessed us, hasn't he? 27 years. That's a long time, isn't it? I mean, compared to God, it isn't, right? But in man's years, or our years, it's a long time. But you know, it's all about what God has done. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Do you realize that's what it's really all about? Everything you see here is a direct result of God answering prayer. Everything. That choir that sang tonight, God answering prayer. Those ladies back in that nursery tonight, work in that nursery, and it's a nice nursery, that's God answering prayer. Tonight at this fellowship, when you walk up there and see that $57,000 worth of fake walls and a renovated room upstairs where we've been meeting for our soul winning training, that's all answer to prayer. It doesn't just happen. It's God working and moving. I believe tonight that's what we need to see in our own lives. That's what we need in our, our marriages. That's what we need in our homes. We need God doing a miracle. We need something that we can hang our hat on and say, I know it had to be God. It wasn't me. It wasn't just my wisdom. It was God. It was his word. It was my obedience to him. Amen. 
I arrived at the bank to pick up the money bag for Sunday. I did that every week. We needed the bag for Sunday coming. We only had one or two of them. I can't remember how that went back there in the beginning, but I'd had to go pick it up. Anyway, it had the deposit slip in it, so we needed it for our records. And so I went on over there to the bank, and I picked up the money bag. By then, well, I, I walked in the bank like always. I walked up to the counter. A new manager had begun working at the bank. And when I sought the bag, she turned and she spoke up and she asked the other teller, she said, hey, has that kid been in to pick up the bag before? The one teller said, oh yeah, yeah, he's in here all the time. Another one of the ladies said this, he's the minister of that church. And the manager just said, well, I, I was just asking. They gave me the bag, and they gave it to me with a smile. And I couldn't help but think, God has blessed this young man. I was 33 years old. God has blessed this young man. I may not be as young as I used to be, but I haven't gotten over what God has done. I wonder, have you gotten over what God's done in your life since being saved? Have you gotten over it? May God help us to never get over Him or what He's done in our lives. May we never forget where it comes from, who it comes from, Go to school. Get your education. Prepare yourself for life. Cross every T and dot every I. But if like William Borden, he gives you a fatal disease, my friend, none of it will matter. All that will matter is what God has done. I want to encourage you to do not put your faith in yourself or the things of this world. Remember where it all comes from and never take him for granted. 27 years. 27 years. This is a miracle. It's a miracle. And someone may say, well, that's no miracle. That's just a bunch of people that had a a vision, a bunch of people that put their minds together and their effort together and worked hard and built something. But we couldn't have done it without him. It's all God. It's all God. Let's not forget what he's done for us. Let's not take our church for granted. Let's not take each other for granted. Let's not take his word for granted. Let's not take him for granted. Father, we love you. We thank you again for what you've done for us and the many, many, many blessings you've bestowed upon us. 
Thank you, Father, for just that short trip down memory lane. Well, God, we know we cannot live on past victories. We understand that we need to see new souls saved. We need to see new lives reached. We need to see ministry started, and we need to see a city reached for you. Lord, as a people, may we never take you for granted. In our own lives, may we experience your miracles all the time, every day. Help us to pray, believing. And as a result, pray, receiving. You told us to call unto you, and you will answer us and show us great and mighty things which we cannot possibly know. Oh, Father, continue to answer that prayer as we seek your face. Prove yourself again and again in these next weeks, months, and years, and in every life and every family represented. We'll thank you and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye.